Welcome to the Utah Jazz Podcast that was supposed to be in person this week, that was supposed to have just finished a bacon maple donut and figured out really truly how weird uh, Portland is. I was supposed to go to a, like a blocks long bookstore and buy Pikachu and Pokemon related books with, um, you know, the former voice of the pod that was supposed to be eating delicious tacos. I'm going to make myself sad here instead, Doug. We're sitting here because um, the travel plans didn't work out this weekend and you're dealing with the Zoom meeting asking you if you want to leave when I hit record for the podcast. But in any event, in any event, on a weekend that hasn't gone quite to plan for us or for the Jazz so far, we're here and we're perpetuating good vibes because by golly, somebody's got to do it. And if it's not the Twos and Threes podcast, a Utah Jazz podcast that has as it's one of its many sub theses is let's 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 emanate some good vibes about the jazz then no one's gonna do it so here we are and by golly you look great mark you look great um the as as the pad as the pad fonts as the pod fans would really like to know is that i like to call our pod fans pad fonts <laughs> it's just our thing you know you just gotta have your own thing everybody knows like listen if you're listening you know you know you're a pad fan yeah pad font. <laughs> that you're coming from a hot griddle mixing up some french toast over there or something i'm sure but um mark as you, Avocado, as you said english muffins uh, oh nice nice as you said, if there's if there's a podcast that you're reaching for some like cynicism or skepticism of the jazz, you might as well unlike and un- unsubscribe because that's not what you're getting here. Well, yeah, I mean, we're going to hit you with the truth as far as we know what it is. But um, yeah, um, I'm gonna, listen, if you want some hardcore criticism, I'm going to tell you right now, I've watched several Oscar nominated, best picture nominated movies this weekend. Um, Licorice Pizza didn't do it for me. There it is. Damn. Paul Thomas Anderson. Come get the heat. It was okay. It was okay. Belfast, though. If you haven't watched Belfast, go do it now. What a beautiful picture. I'm going to say that right now. A beautiful film. Uh, it's perfect. It's an hour and a half. You have no excuse. Everybody listening to this right now, as soon as this is over, it's going to be about 45 minutes, hopefully. Uh, go watch Belfast with your family before the Oscars tonight. It's great. Get some Belfast. I haven't watched it, so now I'm going to have to throw that on the list. Yeah, it's really good. But as far as the jazz go, Doug, here's what we're going to talk about. There's been a lot that's happened lately. We've been a couple of weeks off on the pod. Um, so we're going to talk about what's happened last week in the broader definition of the word week. It's the twos and threes week. I think you're, I think all the pad fonds are familiar with that term now. Um, then we're going to take a little visit to Dr. Doug MD because uh, the jazz have some symptoms that I'm worrying about, but as I look around, I wonder if I see them on other um, organizations. And so I don't know if something's going around or this is something that's just a part of the evolution of NBA teams. I need some counsel. Um, after Doug MD, we have a special social media um, episode because we had a real treat in the social media world this week related to um, one of the faves of the pod, I'd say my favorite basketball player. So there's your teaser. And then uh, finally, um, Doug, our investigator on the ground, going to find out what the heck's going on with this um, Joe Ingles stealing franchise, the Portland Trailblazers in our M1 segment. So it's going to be fun. Today's fun. By the time you listen to this, 
the Jazz will have played the Dallas Mavericks today, and you'll either be in a great mood or you probably won't listen to this. And I'm screaming <laughs> into the ether. Now I got good. We're, we're putting down the good vibes before the Mavericks game because we feel like we need them. It's good juju. And uh, Douglas, tell me what happened last week. Well, Mark, um, I thought that was the perfect introduction. I'm going to, I'm going to throw it out to you. What happened in the last Sunday to Sunday. And then we're going to talk further in the podcast um, on the extended week of twos and threes. Um, but turns out, Mark, we did win a game this week, and and we're going to talk about it. Um, the Jazz played the Knicks. Um, we won 108 to 93. It was a great game. Um, super fun. That's where all my sights are from this week. No, just kidding. But um, the Jazz are on a six-game, 10-day road trip, and something that jazz analysts throughout the, throughout the pod world um jazz world have been fearing this whole season and and guess what it's been kind of rough um so we played the nets we lost 106 to 114 and then the celtics who are super hot right now um we lost one or not even there's no one dang it we lost 97 to 125 Ouch. and then the hornets 101 to 107 um and like you said we're playing the mass today and it's going to be a win of 110 to 99. Just kidding. I don't know. We'll <laughs> but so um, do you want to do you want to reach further back into the. the well, let's talk prior? about this week a little bit. I mean, I think the, the, the thing that you said that I thought was really important was that this whole season, I feel like people have been talking about this stretch. I feel like every time there was a bad loss early in the season, people would be like, we can't afford this because we have such a terrible schedule in March and yeah. leading to the end of the season. And then when January was happening, it was like, oh no, and we've still got March coming. And then, you know, we, we start looking around and sort of everybody starts getting into mediocre mode or injured mode. And we find ourselves like a week ago um, in a spot, maybe even two weeks ago, we're starting to, to get a little, um, you know, big eyed at the standings because the Warriors are injured, the Warriors are, are losing, the Mavericks have had some befuddling losses. And all of a sudden it's like, we can go get the three seed. And then everybody's like, yeah. And then the reason I'd go back a week is because we had some pretty professional looking wins against doubles. And then the Clippers who were always all afraid of um, in the prior week. And I, you know, we beat the Kings, whatever. And we had what was, a frustrating loss to the Bucks at the end, but not like a bad game. Like the Jazz played really well. They were right there at the end. And it was frustrating because the same kind of late game foibles undid us as have undid us many times, including our most recent game against the Hornets. But the Bucks game, yeah, you know, there's a lot of hand wringing, hair wringing, towel wringing. I don't know. There was ringing on in the fan base of people. Bells being were like, ringing. Bells were ringing that the bad ones, you know, um, the like a crack bell, uh, but and, like all just be people being like same same problems with the Jazz. This team ain't it. Yada yada. I can't beat the Bucks at home in a close game. Yada 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 yada. Um, but all that you're looking around and you're thinking, hey, you start doing math and the numbers and like Golden State's going to lose all these games. We have the tiebreaker versus the Mavericks. If we can just 
get this win, get this win. We're going to be in a three seed. And then we kind of forgot that this was like the hardest stretch of the schedule. And some of these wins were going to be hard to come by. That said, Doug, um, the Nets game, what a bummer, you know? I mean, first half looked pretty good. This is back-to-back coming off of the Knicks game, played well against the Knicks. Uh, the Knicks game was great. Actually, we just kind of put the foot down and, and stomped them. Donovan Mitchell was spectacular. First half against the Nets, it looked like that was maybe going to be a carryover. Um, this is my quick synopsis of all of them. This is cool. I'm, uh, now I'm just talking to Yeah, them, yeah, throw them in. The second half of the, against the Nets just sucked. And Kevin Durant was awesome. And it felt like, oh, that's that team's in, a, in another kind of tier. You know, kind of felt like that. And then jazz back to back, there's context, whatever. All right, let's roll into the Celtics. Celtics are the hottest team in the NBA. Celtics are the favorite to win the championship on like 538 and all these websites. Oh, they're they're by like a country mile, too. Like they, they, it was so weird because they were like 500 at one point this season, like pretty far into the season. And since then, something's clicked. Um, their coach, um, uh, is it Emmy Udoka? I forget his name. He is probably going to be coach of the year or one of them. Yeah. I'm looking right now, Doug, on 538, the Celtics chance of making the finals is 48%. The next highest is the Suns with 38%. Their chance of winning the finals is 32%. I mean, so, you know, obviously that's just an algorithm based thing, but they're, they've been playing in such a way, measuring the player, their individual players performance, et cetera, however they do it, but they are actually the favorite in this metric that has had the Suns all year. So that's all fine. But to me, I was like, man, it just feels like in the, and I know we're not Brad Stevens era. I just butchered the new coach's name, but in the, it's sort of Brad Stevens era as the general manager and the kind of jazz Quinn Snyder, Brad Stevens kind of parallel paths. They draft market smart. We draft Dante Exum, yada, yada, those years. It feels like we get big wins against the Boston Celtics late in the season every year. I'm not even going to go back and do the numbers. I just have them in my memory. And like, I'm like, Let's go get get this one. And then Doug, it's a 4:30 start. It's a Friday. It was a Friday, right? Because yep. we were calling a plan. Like before I even knew it, it was 30 minutes into the game because I had work stuff and the game was over. <laughs> the game was over. And just to just get thoroughly stomped like that, and nobody's gonna feel good about that. That's not a good feeling at all. So then we come back to the Hornets, and it's like, if there's one thing this jazz team has done, it actually does bounce back from losses. There's too many. We have not had a lot of losing streaks other yeah. than when the team's been injured and then first half against the Hornets I'm feeling pretty good the bench comes in we kind of get destroyed when we don't have a center in the game again um as we have all season long um but we make a run in the third quarter we're there we get down to the fourth quarter Donovan's really good it was a very up and down game for Rudy Gobert mostly down on offense he makes a couple just really regrettable plays towards the end and Donovan misses a bunny layup. And once again, close game versus the Hornets. And the Hornets are fine. They're not a bad team. Like in isolation, at the end of a long road trip, almost all this slog against the good teams. Is it, is it the worst loss in the history of the world? No. But you, you, you really thought that they had that one. Could have had that one. Should have had that one. And it was in a spot where our two best players could have made plays to win the game. And they didn't do it. And uh, that's where we sit today. Yeah, I, I, honestly, I thought that was a, the pretty great um, recap of it all. One correction: the the Celtics game was on Wednesday, um, Hornets Friday. But the 
yeah, I don't know. Um, I have some takeaways from the the week as well. Um, I thought it it was nice in the in the Knicks game. The Jazz went on a fourteen to two run. Um, it was in the fourth, and um, it was one of those where we actually closed out the fourth quarter when the other team was about was had gone on a run. Um, the Nets game, something interesting that David Locke said pregame um, in his podcast was that the Nets like plus minus is actually it's it's like a ton better when it's just Kevin Durant, like no James Harden, no Kyrie Irving, no Joe Harris, any of their like key players. When it's just Kevin Durant, um, they win and they win big, which is, I thought was really interesting. Um, and the Celtics, man, I don't know if they've, they've ever missed a three. Um, something that to go off the whole week, like you said, in the Hornets game, um, where the Jazz really missed their center minutes. Uh, in my my recap was, I, I I think like we play better when we have center help. And guess what, Mark? Breaking news here on the podcast: the Jazz just signed Greg Monroe to a ten day. Did you see that? Oh, no, I did. I did not see that. Literally, right now, get on Whoa. Twitter. We just Whoa. signed. We just signed Greg Monroe. Whoa! I mean, look, Doug. Greg Monroe has not been on an NBA roster in a while. So, like, I don't want to get it, his, too excited his, about this. But do you, do you know what we kind of need? A center who can score a little bit. <laughs> I don't know, for five minutes. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, you could have said a lot of names that wouldn't have gotten me much. But I have, like, this just small belief in Greg Monroe from watching him as a as a rookie where I thought like, Oh, he's got a pretty complete offensive package. Listen, Greg Moreau is slow as molasses and not a modern NBA center by any stretch. That's kind of interesting. I'm, I'm honestly, I, I saw that and I was like, I think he's a pretty good fit. When I remember you say his rookie year, I remember when he was in college at Georgetown, he was like this, this great, like almost like Patrick Ewing esque. I mean, obviously at Georgetown going to pull those comps, but um, I've always had this weird thing for, for Greg Monroe. Um, and also shout out to my guy, Hashim the beat who is on Yukon at that time, but Greg Monroe's got a little bit longer. Um, Greg Monroe has played for the Raptors this season. Um, so he was on a roster spot early February. <laughs> so, um, I, I honestly, cause I, I wrote this down yesterday when I was doing some pod prep, but I was like, we need Hassan. Um, I mean, Doak's injured. We need Boyan. Like, really in my, my recap of the week, because we're going to look into other teams around the Jazz also doing weird things. But man, if we can get healthy, um, if we can play with a center, so interesting to see um, if Greg Monroe sticks. Also, what I've been seeing in the commentary is if we stay with Greg Monroe past the 10-day into the playoffs, then it would be hard for the Jazz to re-sign or keep Trent Forrest. So I don't think he's going to, I don't think Greg's going to stay longer than 10 days. Um, cause Trent Forrest is a, is a jazz man through and through. Um, but that's just how like the, the two-way contracts work, um, and how Trent's deal is structured. Um, we have to kind of like pick one or the other, but, um, super interested to see what that is. And I think it just proves the fact that the jazz want to play with that second center and small ball, like, yeah, man. <clears throat> Sorry. I, I don't think Greg Monroe's playoff answer for us by any means. Like I just got, I just got really excited because that just was like kind of a fun wrinkle. I just had to throw out a couple of tweets about you telling me that on the pod, but here's the thing. 
I do like for better or worse, and maybe it's worse. The Jazz are super dependent on having a center. The small ball thing could be a first first short spurts yeah. kind of a thing, but they are just so much better when Rudy and Hassan are healthy or when Doke can be plugged into those minutes than anybody else. So that was to me after the last game, there was you know the news again about Doke having successful surgery. And it just was like a reinforced bummer. It's funny because in the Hornets game, to be honest, I hadn't seen the the injury report before. I didn't know Hassan was out. And when the second wave of lineup came in, I was kind of like, oh, this is kind of cool. Like this, these are kind of funky lineups that Quinn's playing around with. And then for, after like a minute, I was like, oh, Hassan's not playing. Oh no, you know, like, and yeah. that's basically how it went. I mean, we're up 14 to nine or 14 to six or whatever early. He, he does the early, it makes me, when we don't have that, the early Rudy sub makes you just feel queasy. And then he brings him back in for the bridge between the first and the second quarter. So anyways, just a big body to throw out there. Um, I like, because I think we need it. Um, listen, do you have any other thoughts on the week that was specifically, because I think this segues into my, my consultation with my, my, my only add on. And I think this almost kind of goes in with my end one too, is that, um, I'm feeling a little queasy on the Juancho Nikhil minutes. Uh, and, and maybe this is something that we talk to more. Let's talk about it. But more later. But the um, we just really need Boyan back. And just like okay. a, a healthy Pin Boyan. In Pin in that, doctor, because I want to tell you. Let, let me get comfortable in my chair. Stretch. Lean back. Leaning back. I've already done all the physical stuff with your nurse. and feeling uncomfortable, just like you wanted me to be. Um, and I'm here in, in Dr. Doug, MD, doctor of basketball, to talk to you about my favorite basketball team, the Utah Jazz. Um, here's the thing, Doug. My Jazz team is really struggling to score late in games. Really struggling. Um, my Jazz team has this, it's like there's like this narrative around it. It's, it's, it's almost like a surface rash, but sometimes in the right light, I'm like, is that even there? Does that even matter that much anymore? That people are like, you can't guard on the perimeter. Um, you can't play against small ball teams. Uh, your defense gets exposed late in games. What I'm kind of wondering is if my root cause underneath is that I can't score late in games. Cause that's what I'm watching more. There, there's a lot of people that are telling me that, Hey, um, you know, according to my body mass index, according to my height and weight, according to my age profile, I shouldn't be worried about prostate health at this age, but I'm like, I know what my family history is. Yada, yada. And I'm wondering, Doug, even though I've got the number one offense in the NBA, is my offense destined to, to kill me in the playoffs? And the one context about this team that I want you to tell me if I'm like way off on is I'm looking at the Jazz last 10 games or the however many games. Let's, you know, we were just talking about them. We'll go back. We had a win versus the – we had a, a bummer loss versus the Spurs – let's that's further back than I want to even go we we beat the Kings we had that close loss to the Bucks that that Kings game was the last time I've seen Boyan Bogdanovich play basketball lose to the Bucks we have an awesome win versus the Bulls awesome win versus the Clippers we have all this terrible stuff we can't score at the end of the games I kind of think Bogey is our our third most important player at this point all due respect to Mike Conley um also in there we lose Daniel House um What's weird to say, Doug, but he is the person we were, we've had podcasts. I get he wasn't on an NBA team for a little while. I get he was on 10 days. I think we all saw 
he was the the role filler that we were expecting as like that eighth guy in the rotation kind of thing, right? Yeah. If I neither of these dudes, are they going to solve this? <laughs> are they going to solve this this problem? We're getting to the end of the games. We're either completely not looking for Rudy for the ball or he's doing a weak seal. I'm just going to say it. He puts his arm up like he's, I said this on Twitter the other day. He puts his arm up like he's Carlos Boozer showing on a pick and roll defense. He doesn't believe he's getting the ball. Nobody believes he's getting the ball. He's not getting the ball. And then he just goes and sits in the dunker spot. We're playing four on five. Um, when he gets it, he does miss. And then our guy, Donovan Mitchell, potential to be the best player in the history of the franchise, I've said many times, has been superhuman for 44 minutes of basketball in all these games. And then he just misses another layup the other night at the end. Uh, I personally think having Boyan as a killer can be enough coming back. Having Daniel House out there playing defense, taking, I thought Donovan's effort level was amazing in the last game. Um, just tell me, are we, can we solve this by, by getting healthy, I guess is my question. Cause this is why I think maybe it, it does function. Then it goes back to where at the end of the game, if we do run a Rudy pick and roll, Mike can do it. If not, and then Donovan's off the ball. And then there's the spacing of Boyan who people actually respect over there. And I guess Royce or Daniel house, maybe they respect not as quite as much as a Joe Ingles last year, but right now. We're at the end of the games. They're sagging off Jordan. They're sagging off um, Royce. There's bodies all over the paint, and it's it's ugly. And we don't have anybody who's over 6'2 to pass the ball to to create a shot. Bowie comes back. We got that a little bit. Um, what do you think? I mean, I, how much of this? I felt like after the Hornets game, the next day I was like, man, if Hassan lights up, then we win that game. Um, so should I be that concerned? And I think in a lot of these games, Boston game was a nightmare, whatever. But if we have Boyan Bogdanovich, are we winning some of these games? And am I feeling better? Yeah. Um, I mean, you said a slew of things in there that we maybe should be concerned about. Maybe we should be watching, um, putting some cream on, you know, taking some some sort of ointments. Um, but I, I do think that's, that's what I wrote down at the end of like my week synopsis too, is like, like okay this isn't fun like these games like aren't super fun to watch the jazz lose and like bail it out in the end but if we go back to the the beginning of the season like the whole scope of the season was going to be like let's be healthy going into the playoffs like seating doesn't really matter anymore as far as like how how spread out the league is as far as skill and talent goes um but yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Like it, it is, it's hard to see like Donovan throw up 30 plus points each game. Um, and then it just, you know, he needs more help in the end. And I think um, going off what I said about health, I think that is like, I think Boyan makes that like incremental difference. Like, I don't think Boyan's ever going to be talked about as like one of the best, like no one in like national media is going to be like, hot take Boyan Bogdanovich, so amazing. But as far as the jazz system goes, I think just that like one like Boyan corner three or that one like Boyan drive to the basket bucket where he doesn't get the ball stripped, um, like just those like that relief play where Donovan doesn't have to be driving it or crossing someone over and shooting a three every single time, um, just like puts the jazz number one offensive system back into place. Uh, so, yeah, I think that 
I, I, I think that what I really think is that like the Jazz want to be like win a championship easily. Like we need a consistent like number two scorer, and I think that can be Boyan. Um, but for the system, for right now, for everything that it is, we need Boyan back. Um, because like like I said earlier, like Juancho, Nikhil, no Joe Ingles, um, just not cutting it. And th- like there's like spurts where it's great, spurts where it's really bad. Um, so my hope is like I'm I'm looking at the end of the season and in a David Locke podcast here, I am quoting him twice. He said that the Jazz number one goal ending the season is not to get in the plan. <laughs> and I thought that that was like kind of silly, but now that I'm sitting here thinking like if we could just go into the playoffs healthy and we're not playing the Suns or like I don't know, they're the Grizzlies or the Warriors, you know, in the first round. Yeah. Then um, then I feel pretty good. And uh, I saw a tweet and now I'm 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 not referencing, but I can't remember who it was, but it said like um any optimism that I have for the Jazz going into the playoffs is just me lying to myself or I something saw like that. that. Too. I thought and, that was pretty funny. And I laughed, but I also kind of I don't know, you know. Right. But, no, I've, yeah, because here's the thing. I've tried to, I've tried this season. This season, I, I begrudge no one for their frustrations. I do think it's funny that every single loss, every single loss, there's, there's people tweeting, oh, this team just ain't it now or whatever. And I'm like, this was the one that broke the, this was the straw that broke the bat. I mean, but to ignore the fact that we've had a lot of bad losses in, that are bad because of they're similar in the way that they happen. Um, is putting your head in the sand but also taking a step back and being like we're right there like that's what I've it's been frustrating to have the three seat dangling out there but aside from the fact that you're avoiding Phoenix in the second round which is a worthwhile ambition because they are the best team in basketball in my opinion like it doesn't really matter that much like to me playing the Mavericks playing the Nuggets playing the Timberwolves now even or the Clippers in the first round I uh, throw them in a hat like they're all like the jazz have about the same even i think right now frankly the warriors like with, with their current health state i i put those teams all in the same bag and i put i'd rather play the grizzlies in the second round but let's let's frankly worry about that when we get there i think like you got to play phoenix sometime and like i know people say try to avoid playing phoenix and the warriors in the playoffs i'm not so confident that the warriors make the third round um right now anyways i the whole thing is such a grab bag mess so I, this is the thing that I think, like you, I think you hit the nail on the head. I, th- I thought if we had this podcast last week, I would have said, Juancho, what a great pickup. Nikhil Alexander-Walker, he's doing pretty good. And I, I don't know, maybe Nikhil should have played more this week in, in some of these games, but he did struggle pretty bad in a couple where he did. And Juancho, the thing that I like is he was a willing shooter and he's a cutter and he's playing hard on defense and he's just big. So he, he, replaces this the size that we kind of lose without bogey and he's a better rebounder but the the steve jones jr do you ever watch his threads he's the one that does the film breakdown of like he does he did a really good one talking about the differences between last year and this year and one of it is just that they don't teams don't respect the three-point line the same way that they did last year versus the jazz and some of that's not having george niang and some of that is not having joe Ingles, last year joe ingles who wasn't shooting well this year and that's just made more by with bogey out. But if at the end of the game, Mike bogey and Royce are out there, 
I mean, Royce is going to get the shots and then we need Royce to be confident. And he's a 40% three point shooter a little bit, but it's just different. And we can just get it to Bogan. He can back down and, and do some stuff too. Um, so yeah, this is the last part, Doug, that I just want to see. Cause when I look at symptoms of other teams, I'm looking at Dallas, the Dallas Mavericks, their, their last game, they got run by the Timberwolves. Um, three games ago, they lost to the Hornets too. Um, four games, the game before that, they lost to the Sixers, who are a contender by a lot. And then their last loss before that, about 10 games ago, was to the New York Knickerbockers by 30, by 40 points, 30 points um, in a game that they were never close. So, you know, whatever we have, do they have two? That's a team that people will talk about, like being more of a contender. Then I look at um, the Golden State Warriors. Hot mess. They lost to the Hawks. They lost to the Magic. They lost to the Spurs. They lost to the Celtics, just like everybody else is doing. Um, they're not healthy. I get it. But, I mean, this is their last 10. I look at the Denver Nuggets. Um, they lost to the Suns, just barely. No shame in that. They lost to the Celtics. No shame in that. They lost to the Caps. Pretty good team on the road. Um, they have a loss to the Raptors. They have a loss to the Warriors, who have not been super healthy. Go back further. They got a loss to the Thunder. That's a ways back. They're, they're, they're looking all right. They're, they're looking all right. Um, the Milwaukee Bucks. I've seen so many people tweet out, "We're not, a, you know, we're not in a tier of contenders." Who? I'm, I'm, my question is always, who is? Who is in a tier of contenders besides Phoenix? Who else do you play? And it's always Bucks, Nets, um, Grizzlies, Warriors. I, I mean, the Grizzlies are have had an, a really impressive season. So I almost put they probably are, but I'm I'm just not going to be as scared until I see them do it in the playoffs. So whatever, fair to them or not. Um, the Nets are in the play-in, so <laughs> we'll worry about them. Uh, I, I just, I mean, they're, they might be in a tier of their own when they're healthy, but they're in the play-in game. The Bucs, Doug, they just got run by the Grizzlies. Um, they got run by the Timberwolves a few games back. They got run by the Warriors, and then they've got a lot of their nice wins. I mean, all these teams are kind of similar. And, and so I get that it's not super inspiring when last year we had the best record to come around and say, hey, we're kind of in a group with a bunch of other teams that could beat anybody and that is also vulnerable to loss. Uh, but that's kind of where we are. And I think Donovan's better than he's ever been. And I, like, I think Rudy's been guarding better than he's ever been and been a little up and down offensively. And if we can, if we can get healthy, I just want to see it in the playoffs. I'm just so sick of this season, to be honest. I just want to get there. We're, we're so close. If it ended today and we just waited two weeks to play again, I don't really want that because I like watching my team play basketball, but I, I'd almost feel just as good about it. Like, let's just pause it. Let's let everybody get as healthy as we can and let's start the playoffs in two weeks, but whatever. I mean, I think what you're telling me is I might have a condition, but there's nothing I can do about it. So I might as well wait and see. <laughs> is that right? <laughs> All right. You're on mute, by the way. You're on, you're on mute, Doug. Sorry, <laughs> I was just saying, yep, because uh, we, we have eight games left and it's like, we want to see, I don't know, we want to see the Jazz win. We like watching the Jazz play, but we want to see the Jazz healthy in the playoffs and, and that's where it's really going to be proven. Um, that's what this whole season has been about. So I'm with you, like, the, like let's, let's start the playoffs. Let's, this should just be game one, um, Jazz maps today. But the, um, but we're going to have to muscle it out. There's going to be, there's some gimme games. And I mean, we play the hapless Lakers. 
Um, we played like the most embarrassing team in basketball, the Portland Trailblazers, the Thunder. So um, some games that the Jazz will definitely win, some other games that'll be interesting. And so we'll see how the last eight, eight games go. All right, let's jump in, Doug, then, and kick us off on our special social media. Cool. Well, welcome to the social media segment. We're glad that you've made it this far. Um, on a Sunday or a Monday, you're probably listening on a Monday uh, after a big jazz win. Um, but so this week there was, uh, and it was while the jazz were in, in New York, I'm guessing. Um, there was an interview with Rudy Gobert and Taylor Rooks, uh, Bleacher Report. Um, and she's actually interviewed Rudy a couple times, but this one was like an hour long segment um, talking with Rudy. Um, kind of inviting the fans more into um, the life of Rudy, who Rudy is, um, his thoughts on the jazz, his thoughts on himself and, and his, his narrative in the league. Um, and I just thought it was really fun. It was a full hour. Um, I watched it in two segments two you know, half hour snippets. And I don't know how anyone could watch it um, and not like Rudy Gobert. So there's my intro. Um, I've got some points that I think were really interesting, but yeah, let's let's hash it out as for me, Rudy social. Let me just say that one thing, just because that that's kind of always been my thing. I I get why people sometimes aren't annoyed by Rudy, or they see him, or whatever. Like I, I can I don't agree with it, but I I get it. Sometimes you see his small interactions, or sometimes you hear him in an interview, and he seems like he cares about his perception or his appearance or whatever. One of the things I love the most about him is that when you like hearing him speak in long segments, he had a long podcast with Zach Lowe a couple of years ago too, that I call us the same. He's so self-reflective. He's so, he's very self-aware. He's introspective. And I just like him. I just like him from that. And uh, this was definitely one of those. Yeah, for sure. Something that I thought that was really interesting and just the way that he answered all of his questions is that like, and this is, this is us giving a synopsis. So like sit down, pause the podcast and go spend an hour with Rudy and, and Bleacher Report. But um, he's always team first and everything that he talks through, like um, Taylor Rooks asked him multiple questions on, on like himself, on the team, on their chances. And, and he's always putting the team um, first and, and kind of pulling everybody up. He talked a lot about how, like he feels like the social media narrative around him, like the exciting things that get the mo most clicks are usually like him getting dunked on or him getting crossed over. And that like social media in general, like doesn't portray him well and, and get like a positive narrative of him, which is why like he'll go and win or defensive player of the year. Um, and people are like, why this, why this guy? And I, I thought, I thought that, that was really interesting. I think that it's totally true. It's just like a microcosm of why you shouldn't just go off of social media. Um, but the big thing was like, she, she talked with him about Draymond Green and how like Draymond Green says stuff and, um, Something that I liked is that he says he feels respected when people talk down about him because 
because he wouldn't be talked about if he wasn't a great player. Um, and that he has nothing bad to say about, about Draymond and that he doesn't want to disrespect anybody in the league. So I don't know. It was just super classy. Um, and, and I think it's, I don't know. It was super fun. Yeah. He was just likable. And do you know, I kind of liked that they didn't talk about Donovan Mitchell and like that whole thing at all too. I mean, I get that sometimes I want to hear them talk about it, but I, I liked him talking. I, I liked everything about how he talked about other players defensive players and where he is and what he thinks about his own performance. And um, yeah, I maybe, maybe like Taylor Rooks. I already kind of liked her. I've, I've, you know, they've interviewed before and stuff. And, um, but no, it was super good. The interesting anecdote was when they talked about when the, the plane, the team plane hit the birds, which was the thing that I almost like forgot happened and how like the team, like so many people on the team, like legit thought they were going to crash. That was, that was pretty intense um but yeah he's just great um and it's i think it's definitely worth anybody's time for him i mean i've i've said before part of the thing that i like about him so much is that i feel like he's a flawed basketball player who's worked to be awesome in in spite of his flaws and i think like all humans are flawed and i think he's somebody who's aware of his human flaws and works to be better on them too i mean i just think the way he's kind of handled the relationship with donovan sense and the way he he takes so much crap from current players, from former players. That's why, like, anytime, like, a David Robinson says something nice about him in All-Star Weekend, we're all so happy about it because it's just like, yeah, like, quit piling on this dude. Um, but I think he comes across great in there, and I I just root for him. Obviously, he has got some, some incredible genetic advantage too he is massive and he is agile and he's an incredible natural athlete um but he's got like those some apparent flaws in his game that he works hard and it's even like this week like i i used to just want him to succeed so much i'd have a hard time admitting when he didn't play well and i i think that's not fair to him either i I think this week he just wasn't good enough on offense in a couple of those games and so I, i feel okay saying that um but that doesn't mean that i'm not like don't think he can be and I'm, I'm not rooting for him to be and i'm not going to also ignore the fact that he's guarding two guys at all times or the all five guys I and mean, the way he talks about defense and there's pretty cool and, and people should yeah. listen to it yeah yeah also at the end he um he compares the jazz season to the bucks last year and something that a lot of people have done so i kind of looked into the numbers last year the bucks obviously they won the championship so they went into the playoffs as the three seed and they were 46 and 26, um, kind of similar to the Jazz. There were less games last season. Um, and the Bucs, I, w- I just wanted to look and see just like um, the Bucks had a five-game losing streak last year at one point. They had multiple three-game losing streaks, um, something that the Jazz are on right now. But they did finish, not, and not that like we have to be by the book what the Bucks did last year, but they did finish last year on an eight and two run. So the Jazz have eight more games. If they win all eight of those games, it would be identical there to the Bucks. There we they'd, go. They'd probably get the three seed. <laughs> so that's true. Um, so yeah, I thought that was interesting. The, I, the Rudy thing was fun. There's like, um, like I have friends here in my program that follow the NBA and just get like the regular national narrative on Rudy. And I'm like, it is like my goal to like everything every positive media stuff I on Rudy Gobert, I send to them because it's just like, I don't, he's like a good, he's just like, I put him in the same class as Giannis. Like we really got to know a lot Giannis last year 
in the finals like the I feel like the world did um they're just like good dudes like they're just like they try hard they're good good for the league um and and they're doing their best so yeah it was super fun yeah go listen to it yeah um, and just a la- last thing on that and then let's do your your end one but um people were bagging on Giannis last year before this happened too. He can't do it in the playoffs. The Bucks can't do it. Here's the thing. I know there are people in jazz world who roll their eyes at Bucks comparisons and they're like, well, we're not the Bucks. Well, here's the thing. We either are, or we're the Hawks from the, you know, eight years ago or whatever, five years ago. Like we'll see <laughs> the playoffs will determine like they're the Bucks aren't the only team that was like that. The Dirk Mavericks were similar to that. I mean, there's been plenty of teams that, are on the fringe, don't quite do it in the playoffs, and then break through. And then there are plenty of histories littered with ones that don't. And we're either going to be one or the other. And the I, the point of the Bucks comparison to me is that when people say we're just not a contender now, it's like, well, then the Bucks by definition were not a contender at this time last year in your book. But yeah. they won. So do with that what you will. Um, the Rudy thing's awesome. Thanks for bringing it up. Uh, lovely synopsis and tell us all about Doug Portlandia. So Mark, I'm, I'm going to give you, so everyone, I saw a couple tweets that were like, um, I'm going to have to blow up the jazz, going to have to start all over or whatever. I'm going to tell you what it's like when a team gets blown up, Mark. It's, it's oh, no. terrible. <laughs> it's know, ugly. No. <laughs> um, I went to a Trailblazers game and you know why? I, 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 like, we're just going to break down my finances here, Mark. I'm a, I'm in graduate school. I've got no money. I've got <laughs> no money. <laughs> um, we don't have to jump into my Excel spreadsheet. That's in another link over here, but the, um, the tickets are like six bucks <laughs> to go to, <laughs> to go to a trailblazers game. The popcorn was more expensive than the ticket mark. Oh, and the popcorn boy. was delicious. It was the second best part of the game. The best <laughs> part of the game was there was a timeout in the first quarter. This is when the fans cheered the loudest, literally the whole game. There was a timeout in the first quarter and a fan hit a full court putt into like, a little house for $50,000. It was wow. It was uh, crazy. Um, but, Lucas would have lost his mind, by the way. Like oh. his favorite part of watching the games on League Pass is seeing people putt in between yeah, quarters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The Qualtrics putt or whatever. Yeah. So that wow. that dude, that like um, his significant other was there. They were going wild. Um, wow. But yeah, it, that was that was awesome. Um, I mean, Damian Lillard was on the bench, and guess what? Guess who was right behind the guy putting it? Joe Ingles. Joe Ingles. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. One, I was sad. Joe Ingles is on the court. And I was like, dude, this dude should be chilling with Renee and his kids in Salt Lake uh, or Park City, wherever they live. And it, it, it was just kind of weird. I tweeted at Joe Ingles. I wanted to get a response. Didn't get one. But the um, I was just like kind of uncomfortable seeing him there with the Trailblazers. But it was, to me, sitting back, it was just a moment to reflect and you know like it's 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 all right to be a jazz fan um and we're in a pretty good spot where we can sit here this is our third year of of podcasting and and say we're looking at the playoffs and it's going to be something because the 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 jazz played the rockets um the rockets were on an 11 or not the jazz sorry the trailblazers the trailblazers were on an 11 game losing streak 
and they were favored to beat the Trailblazers and ended up winning by like 20. So um, blowing up the team, you know, it doesn't always, it's not, it's not super fun. Um, having your full team injured um, isn't fun either. And so I'm just going to jazz fans sitting there, just, you know, relishing what we've got for a little bit. Um, and Roast and relish. Because, because the other side is, is not fun, super no. exciting. The pad puns know about your roasting, roasting and relishing. Yeah. yeah, Doug, I saw the dumbest tweet ever, which was like, if the Knicks offered like however many picks, yada, yada, would you trade Donovan Mitchell? I, just whatever. I mean, people can do whatever hypothetical exercises they want, just not on my freaking timeline. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. If we're going to trade Donovan Mitchell without him forcing it, don't have a team. Don't have a team. Because what you're saying sucks. It sucks to be the worst. I think there are people that like that part of basketball more. They're like, oh, it's fun. All the prospects are young and we get a GM, the whatever. No thanks. No thanks. And this is what this is what I've been clinging on to, maybe irrationally, I don't know. But this is why my hope isn't all fake, is because there were years, Doug, even when we had a team about this good, but we knew if we got up against the Warriors in the playoffs, we're going to lose. And frankly, in the Darren Williams era, there was a time where we were, if we were going to play the Lakers, we were going to lose. If we were going to play the Spurs, we were going to lose. We could, if we got the right first round matchup, we could win a round. Maybe we could win two. Um, this year, to me, that team doesn't exist. I, Phoenix is great. They're not that team, in my opinion. So there's a lot to play for. Like I, I would love, I would love for us to be a prohibitive favorite. Um, I, I think even last year, if we were being honest, we knew we weren't that. Um, we definitely felt better about it than this. But I again think, I said this on a tweet a couple of weeks ago that felt better when we were playing a little better and we were a little more healthy. I think our team is a less well-oiled machine with less good chemistry than it was last year. But I think our collective athleticism and our shooting is not quite as good, but our collective athleticism is better and our star players are better. And I think that actually probably means we have a higher playoff ceiling. Hmm. I, I, I can roll with that. Proof. Uh, but I mean, would I feel a lot better if we were healthy and rolling into the playoffs in a good vibe? Yeah. I mean, it'd be great. I like, look, the fandom is so fickle that if even not, not your eight game winning streak, if we finished on a five game winning streak, I can tell you fandom, all the fans will be delirious again. And we'll talk ourselves into it. And then as soon as we lose a game in the first round of the playoffs, we're an unserious franchise again, because that's the way we, we work. Um, but no, I'm yeah. Thank you for that perspective. Cause that sounded like, uh, that sounded like a dystopian nightmare that I want nothing to do with. Although happy for the, that dude who hit that putt. Cause that's amazing. Oh yeah. We're talking about crutches, Joe Ingles and Elijah Hughes is our best chance to score 20 points and we're getting run every night. And I'm thinking, why can't I play for this team? I don't want anything to do with that. No. no. Thanks. All right. Yeah. So, so in, enjoy what, we, what we've got, you know, just, just take that sip of perspective. And um, yeah, I forgot. I mean, Elijah Hughes played too. And then I didn't even mention that, but yeah, um, yeah it was wild. So go Jess. Uh, you, you just painted a picture of me that looked a whole lot like Mad Max Fury Road, the road by Cormac McCarthy. Um, just like water world, you know, like something like a post-apocalyptic mess. And I don't want anything to do with it yeah. here. Well, we're not in that state. So who are, and uh, we're going to beat the Mavericks today. And you're listening to this and you're in a good mood because it happened. 
Uh, this is Twos and Threes, a Utah Jazz podcast, and we are ready for some playoff basketball. So let's get there. And uh, I think we end it with uh, boom. Boom. I like it. <laughs> Oh, you know, man, you know, man, you know, man.